Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY, and you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob, and I'm Foodafan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at foodafan.com. And welcome to episode 33. I mean, that's insane. We've been doing this for、uh, quite a bit over a year now, like a, a year and a、yeah. few months. We're like solidly in that、um, one year mark. We have a good cadence. And,、uh, you know, I really feel good about this podcast. And I hope you guys are feeling great about the podcast as well. If you would like to support us,、uh, please, please go onto Apple Podcast and give us a rating and give us a review. We really, really appreciate that. And to show our appreciation, we're going to read two,、uh, two reviews today, as we、okay. normally do. Right. Sure.、Um, okay, so let's see which reviews we're going to read. Okay, we're going to read two reviews, you know, as in order.、And、do you have any feedback on your、uh, Chinese pen rant? I do. We can talk about that、uh, afterwards, but it's not in the reviews. Okay. All right, so. I'm going to read、uh, a review from Maya and Noah via Apple Podcasts.、Um, Maya and Noah say the hosts take us to a part of the fountain pen hobby that most of us can only gaze at from afar. One day, I dream of shopping for pens in Japan, but until then, CY and Jacob keep my interest piqued and do a great job of describing the pens and the stores from a Japanese perspective. Five star review, and the title is Informative and Fun. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot cheaper to listen to a podcast than to actually shop in Japan. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Maya and Noah. We really, really appreciate your support.、Uh, the second review t- that I'm going to read today is from Shanghai Cowboy via Apple Podcast. Okay. And Shanghai Cowboy,、uh, the title is A Breath of Fresh Air for Those Who Think They Love Fountain Pens. Um, I am fascinated by the way they approach the fountain pen hobby. While there are the usual updates on what brands came up with, what the two have excellent knowledge of the culture driving these releases, which can be challenging for some of us to understand. This podcast unfurls the culture behind different groups of collectors, enthusiasts, makers across the spectrum, and delivers their honest opinion on these subjects. CY is a very hands on person who does. Many inspiring tinkerings, and he will sometimes provide us with fascinating insights. I believe this <laughs> level of personalization is really at the core of the Fountain Pen experience, and I'm glad that there are people who are willing to share their experiences on a podcast. Last but not least, I think I have a lot in common with Jacob in terms of style preference and approach to collection. His Instagram and blog are filled with stunning photographs that can sometimes put the manufacturers to shame. Super thankful for the show. Keep it up, Tom.、Uh, Tom. T H O M. Thank you、Tom. so much for that. Appreciate that very much. Thank you so much. I'm glad that I sometimes gives, uh, give、um, insights. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. So thank you so much. And if you would like your review to be read on the podcast, go over to Apple Podcasts, give us a review.、Uh, we would appreciate five stars, but I think you should review it honestly、uh, as you see it. And,、uh, and we will read your review on air. And that really, really helps other people discover this podcast as well. And even if it's not a five star review. Yes, that's right. We're going to read all of the reviews.、Yes. All right.、Um, 
and I, I I've gone ahead and read uh read ahead to some of the next reviews, but uh th- there are some funny ones coming up, so stay tuned. Sounds good. Sounds good. But um, speaking of you know getting people to to listen to the podcast, actually our last episode, episode thirty two about Tomoe River, I think uh Tomoe River is the new toilet paper. That is officially our most listened to episode to date. It's crossed the 2,000 downloads mark, which I think is phenomenal. But uh, with this, we've also gotten a lot of uh, feedback, not directly on uh, in review form, but we've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of different places. I mean, we, we yeah. had two hot takes uh, last episode. And we do want to follow up a bit with, uh, with some of the uh, comments. So um, I think that there are a few elements to this, and Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think most of the feedback uh, has been quite positive. Yeah, I would say so. The feedback has been positive. Um, I think what we want to follow up on is the fact that there's been some like updates and rumors in the community since our episode and some updates supposedly from Tomogawa that doesn't seem entirely consistent with what we said. And um, also, I do want to highlight uh, to, to people who are listening to the podcast, I know that some people have shared um, our podcast information uh, on Instagram, for example, you know, people buying Tomoe River and tagging us. And I, I do want to mention that I know that, that some of these people have gotten actually some negative uh, feedback towards them, um, you know, and even myself, you know, I've been called everything from like um, instigating panic to like a, a liar to um, all sorts of different things. So I do oh, want to, really? yeah, I, and I do want to point out that um, everything that we've said can be traced back to the documents that we provided in the show notes. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate everybody's support and also to to those people who, who don't want to believe the news. Mm. I, I do think that it is worth it for everybody to look into the actual sources if you can. Yeah, I agree. And I think this goes back to the whole idea of why we are doing this podcast, because um, we have access to or are able to read and and make sense of some documents that could sometimes be difficult for others um, to to understand. And so what we want to do with this topic in particular is that we want to go through the the official announcements published by Tomogawa and Sake Technical Paper and explain what they're actually saying and our understanding of what they're actually saying. Right, right, right. And um, so, you know, we've seen a lot of panic buys uh, since our episode. A lot of people are going out and buying a lot of Tomoe River. Um, Yeah. I've watched a stream um, of another stationary lover uh, who went to the Dromgul's store and spoke with somebody involved in the distribution uh, in the United States. They didn't say who it was, Mm. but they did say that it's somebody who is involved in the distribution. Um, And they said that there will be no more Tomer River going to the U.S. So um, coupled with what we talked about last time that they're shutting down machine number right. nine in September. I do have some theories also about 
Hobonichi's plans. Mm. So, um, I think, and this is this is by no means what uh, Tomoe River has said, but um, based on the actions and the kind of news that we're hearing, right? Yeah. Um, I think it is very interesting that they pick September to shut down the the machines because normally in Japan in mid August mm. there is a long holiday called Obon and Obon is where most of the factories shut down for uh, at least one week so one or two weeks so you would think that if they're going to discontinue the machine they mm. would align that to the Obon holiday so that everything can be wrapped up before the holidays mm. and when they come back they they start afresh they start new right this is what yeah. a normal manufacturing like yeah. factory would do well so about that so sakai te- technical paper told me about September, but if you go through the documents that are have been published and audited by Tomogawa and is available to their investors, I, they have not mentioned any specific dates other than end of this financial year, uh, which means uh, March thirty first and um, next calendar year. So it may be that they have they are already committed to September, but you cannot tell for sure based on the publicly available information from Tomogawa. And that mm. goes back to another thing that like one of the rumors that are circling around is that they've already stopped the machines. Mm. Um, but what we said last time in it was exactly this, that Tomogawa's, the official word from Tomogawa is that they are planning to shut down the number nine machine by the end of this financial year. And that was in the report from May. And there has not been an update from Tomogawa on their official channel uh, that changes that. So I have not seen anything that would suggest that the machines are already shut down. Yes, it it says... um... It says on uh, dated May 14th that yeah. within this year, they would shut down uh, machine number nine. So Yeah, and they say this in Nendo, right, which is this right. financial year. So which means until next March. Exactly. Um, but given that Sakai Technical did tell us uh, September, I-, I wanted to think about... Just to, just to add to that, they said they have heard. They didn't say right. like, this, is, this is the definite word. Right. Um, but if, if we recall, uh, Tomoe River markets itself as uh, Techogami. So it's a, a planner paper, right? That's, uh, that is the marketing of Tomoe River. It's very light and mm. you can create, you can make a large book for planners. Yeah. And planner season starts in September. Mm. So. I'm wondering, and obviously, if you if you're selling planners, you're probably producing half a year in advance, anyways. But I'm, I am speculating uh, here that they probably want to, or they probably have already signed contracts for next year's production, uh, and so it is my belief that 
next year, which means year 2022, Hobonichi will still be on Tomoe River Paper. That includes the June release as well. Um, and then after that, they would have to find some new paper, or I don't know how many they've, um, how much paper they've stockpiled. But I do think that this rumored date that Sakai Technical has told us is not a coincidence, given uh, what we know about the cycle of production. Yeah, it could be. Uh, the one thing I just want to emphasize is that as far as we know, based on the information that has been made publicly available by Tomogawa, the machine is still, as of today, running. The paper is still being made. Yes. Um, but uh, we don't know if that's uh, we don't know if that's leaving Japan, right? We don't know if it's for export. That's it's right. hard to say. I mean, that's level of information. It's not something you, you can tell from, from these reports. But there's an, an, another rumor that I wanted to comment on. Um, I've seen on SPN, and I think it was also a blog post that suggests that the main reason why this is happening is increase in wood pulp prices, right? Right. Um, I think both you and I have has gotten. We've been sent links to various posts that cite this being the reason. So I wanted to comment a bit on that. So going back to the documents that we cited last time, which is this um, uh, official investor report from Tomogawa. So their earnings report, uh, their medium-term management plan, and their upcoming document for their shareholder meeting later this month. There are two mentions of wood pulp. In two contexts, they are mentioning wood pulp in this document. The first context is in this medium-term management report. They're talking about how the company, Tomogawa, they started more than 100 years ago making paper out of wood pulp. That was their initial business. That is what, what all they were doing at first. But now, today, that business, paper from wood pulp, account for less than 10% of overall sales. And that business has been shrinking over time and that has been accelerated now because of the pandemic. So they shrunk another 15% year over year. So we know that this is a very small part of the business. That's the first context. Right. And I also want to point out here that um, the, the reason for which they gave uh, about the decline in their paper business or rather their stationary business is specifically that um, in terms of the global market, I'm reading here right now from the Japanese, uh, that the uh, toner business um, and the, the, uh, the, the paper business um, has been going down due to the closure of offices and schools. And therefore, mm. that was a huge reverse. Um, that was a huge headwind um, yeah. for them. So uh, in this document, at least, uh, yeah. wood pulp was not meant, or, or the prices of right. wood pulp was not mentioned as a factor. Exactly. Uh, actually, Tomogawa has four different business segments. The biggest one is actually toners, a printer toner. Uh, and then they have what is called functional paper. And then they have uh, like security cards and then they have like optical film for electronics applications. And within functional paper, 
there are four four separate um, like departments, and one of them is like normally called like your like Western paper. So yeah. it's a, it's a division within a division. It's a very small part of the company doing <laughs> Tom River paper, and again, that's less than ten percent of overall sales. So that's the first mention of wood pulp. The second mention of wood pulp is in the context of new initiatives and new product developments. Right. And this is actually something I mentioned a few months ago. So Tomogawa has been developing a new material, a new compound that has that has properties similar to petroleum-based resin, but it's made uh, mostly from cellulose microfiber, which in turn is made mostly from, from uh, wood pulp. So they have finally developed this material and they think this is going to be one of the key new products that's going to bring them back to profitability. So that is the second mention of wood pulp. And by the way, Tomogawa, they make their own wood pulp. Like you can see that on their website. <laughs> they have their own wood pulp uh, production. Um, so other than that, there's no other, as far as I can see, no other mention of wood pulp. That doesn't mean that it's not a factor at all. But I have two sort of problems with this rumor. The first problem is, again, that they actually make their own wood pulp. Now, it's possible that the wood itself has become more expensive. But again, there's no mention of that that I can see. The other problem I have is that we don't need to second guess and speculate why they may be shutting down the machines because they have been clear about that. Again, going back to this uh, medium-term management report, they are citing the two reasons. A, declining sales. B, aging machinery. So they already told us what the reason is. Um, so that's where I'm a bit skeptical about this uh, new rumor. Yeah, and um, I do want to point out that one of the uh, blog posts that uh, that has written about this and specifically mm. talked about this wood pulp rumor has also on the footnote said that they have made every effort only to repeat information from the actual manufacturers. Um, and this wood pulp rumor is certainly, as far as I can tell, from the Japanese documents, not word from the actual manufacturer. Right. So I think this is like someone tells someone who will post something on FPN. It may be that there was there's some truth to it, but I, I have a feeling that there's something lost in translation there. And, and even if it is true, I don't think it can possibly be a major factor because that would go against the information that Tomogawa has has published and made available that to the investors. Released to the investors. Right. Right. They, they are actually going to double down on a, their new wood pulp product. The, exactly. Um, the cellulose microfiber. So Exactly. So, yeah, I, I just don't think that this has any credence. Um, in terms of then, what should a consumer do about Tomoe River, mm. um, my suggestion is, if you really like it, you can you should buy it when you can find it, uh, because it might be true that they're gonna keep the machines running all the way till next March, but mm. it's 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 going, right? It, it, it's not it's not staying, um, and so if you like that paper a lot, 
you should stock up, in my opinion. That may be true, but I would also say that I try some other paper, right? If I, there's a lot of really good paper out there. I talked about that last time, last time as well. Um, if you haven't already tried like Tsubame or Life or Grafilo or Cosmo Airlight or whatever it may be, like, try some paper. There's a lot of good stuff out there. And depending on what, what kind of paper properties you're interested in, you might find something that suits your handwriting or suits your preferences even better. That is true. That is true. And if you've been following my stories, uh, not only did I buy out Kingdom Notes, stash of 68 GSM Tomoe River. <laughs> um, I bought, I think, 10 notebooks. Um, but I've also been going out and trying some different papers, uh, like, Jacob, your favorite, Grafilo. Mm. Um, it's really darn expensive, by the way. Uh, it Grafilo. is. Um, but, but, I mean, it's okay. Like, I'm still going to buy it. Um, I think Grafilo doesn't show the shading. Like, it shades... But it's it's kind of gradient, um, and it doesn't separate the color as well, I think. Um, and I tried uh, Kokyo Sarasara, but it it kind of just absorbed my hand oil, so that's like a no go for me. So I'm still trying to I'm still on the lookout for new paper while also hoarding Tomoe River. <laughs> I, I did a big uh, Instagram post where I compared. Uh, I showed uh, Grafilo and Cosmo Airlight and uh, Noltis paper. And what's the fourth one that I <laughs> forgot about now? Oh, no, actually, Logical Air Light. Yeah. Uh, Logical Air Light. That was the fourth one, which, by the way, is one of my favorites. But I think I mean, the, the, the results you end up with also depends on what, what inks you use. And I tend to use... I, I enjoy shading. I tend to use inks that have a lot of shading. I don't really like sheen. Um, and maybe that reflected my choice of inks. But I, I, I would say... With the inks I used, I think colors look more vibrant on Grafilo. It's a subtle difference. It's not a like day and night difference, but colors look slightly more vibrant on a, a Grafilo. Um, and I think the the shading was even more pronounced. But again, it depends on what what inks you use. And I agree with you that Tom, sorry, that Grafilo is quite expensive and it's also not available in that many. I cancel notebooks. I, I'm buying loose leaf paper and then I'm cutting my own uh, um, plotter refills from it. Yeah. Um. But then uh, our friend uh, Sharon from the Nib Section podcast had a, a sharp comment. She said that uh, Grafilo is good for Instagram, but it's not actually good for, for actual usage. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, because it never dries. I don't find that it dries any slower than Tomoe River. Might be, might be, but it is definitely a, one of the more slow drying papers out there. So depending on how, you, again, how you use paper, I mean, if, if it's a pocket notebook, it's probably not suitable. If it's an ink testing journal, maybe you don't care as much. Yeah, I've been using a Grafilo um, Slim, A5 Slim uh, at work recently, and mm. it's been okay. Uh, it's been okay. It's good enough. Um, it's definitely got a bit more texture. Yeah, it's got more texture, and and I think that that's probably one of the most one of the most subjective yeah uh, aspects of paper, right? I, I think like dry time is fairly objective, right? I don't, don't think there's anyone that prefers long dry time. I don't think anyone that prefers 
and more show through. I don't think it's one that prefers more feathering, but whether or not you like texture depends entirely on your own preferences. Right. So talking a bit about, I mean, if, if you're looking for Toma River, at least in Japan, one good alternative is uh, Da Vinci refills. And I think you, all, you also bought some Da Vinci refills, right? But as far as I know, that is Tomoe River. Yeah, I actually did some research on that. It's quite interesting. So first of all, for those who don't know, Da Vinci is a planner brand by Reimei, which is one of those enormous diversified stationary companies that have been around for over 100 right. years. And they have um, a product called Airy Goats. Airy goats, yes. I, I need to get my own airy goat planner for sure. But they have this uh, system techo planner brand called Da Vinci. And Da Vinci was introduced, I think, back in the 1980s. And they have been using Tomoe River since 1990. They've been using Tomoe River for over 30 years. So long before Tomoe River was, was something people knew about. So they only recently started... Um, uh, advertising the fact that they are using Tomo River, but have been using it for a long, long time. And what is interesting is they actually have three types of Tomo River refills. So you have these Da Vinci refills called Tokuyo, which are 52 GSM. Right. And then you have refills that are not called Tokuyo, and those are actually 64. So not 68, but 64, which is exclusive to Reimei. Mm. They're the only ones selling 64 GSM Tomo River paper. And then f- since February last year, so February 2020, they have uh, Da Vinci refills with 68 GSM and the paper. So the new Tomo River was announced in um, February last year. So you can find no, that. No, I, well. I don't think. Uh, I think the 68 was always N. There's actually a press release from February 2020 that said that we are introducing a third kind of Tomo River refill. So okay. previously we had 52 and 64. Now we're introducing 68N. So you mean 52 and 68? And now no, no, no. So, so they had 52. Right. They had 64, which is their Reimei exclusive. Right. But, but, but the press release said we are now introducing a third kind, which is 68N. Well, what I mean is, um, what I mean is, Tomoe River had already been producing the 68 GSM, but it was not used by, um, by Da Vinci, right? That's definitely possible. Right. That I don't know anything about. But I think it was interesting that after the announcement that they shut down. Um, the old machine. After that, Da Vinci announced we are going to sell a new type of refills with a new 68 GSM paper. Right, but my my point is that the 68 GSM paper did not get affected by the 2019 shutdown of the machine, as far as I know. And that I, I don't actually know. Yeah. So, so you mean that 68 GSM was always done made in a number nine machine? I'm. I don't know if it was made in the number nine machine, but sixty-eight always had always had the end marker. I oh, believe. really? Okay, uh, that, that might be the true. Yeah. Um, and then uh, fifty-two had a end marker added afterwards. Ah, uh, that's possible. Yeah. But again, I'm, I'm I have not done full research on on this specific part, right. but I I do believe that sixty-eight did not. Well, I mean, I only use Sakai technical paper, so you know. Mm. 
another thing in one of the blog posts they said that that Tomogawa didn't didn't say anything about any changes until late 2020. I don't agree with that because Tomogawa's press release that they were shutting down the machine and moving production to another machine was in April 2019. Right. I, I think they didn't say anything in English. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, possible. Yeah. that's possible. And also, um, I think that, um, I mean, they kept the same SKU. And mm. usually if you keep the same SKU code, then the product is the same. And when I was working... Uh, for this, uh, for a European manufacturer, whenever we changed even the material that we used in the products, uh, we had to change our style code. So mm. we had to we had to tell our retailers, but we didn't mm. change the the SKU uh, as well. But but you could you could figure out if you were on the selling side whether you are selling the new product or the old product. Mm. Yeah, it may have been a, a screw-up in that sense by Tomogawa, but what I'm saying is that in their announcement from 2019 in April, they are very clear about the fact that we are shutting down machine number seven. Machine number seven happens to make Tomo River. We are moving production to machine number nine. Right, so they did they did say it, but they didn't, let's say, publish all the juicy details of how it's Right, different. right, yeah. So, sorry, go on about your uh, Da Vinci. What's, what was interesting to me is that they have been selling Tomo River refills for 30 years. And they have three different kinds, 52, 64, and 68. And you can actually still buy them today. So I just went today, just because I want to try all three, I went to Rock 10 and I bought, bought one of each. And um, so are they developing their own alternative now or... Uh, they're just going to finish using their stockpile and move on to something else. Yeah, that's obviously hard to say. I haven't seen. I, have, well, I haven't been been looking really. But but if you go to their website today, they are they are advertising the fact that their refill paper is all using Tomo River. But it's an interesting question because Reme is a big company and they are one of the. I think this is one of the biggest. Uh, system techo makers. Like if you go to one of those like average size stationary stores at some like JR station in Tachikawa or wherever, right? You're gonna find right. you're gonna find some like the, the, the cheap techos by Nolte and High Tide and uh, Takahashi and whatever. You might find um, Hobonichi and Jibun techo as well. But then in the in their selection of fancy system techo, the the refillable planners, it's usually at least two brands. You have Ashford and Da Vinci. Right. And yeah. um, Da Vinci, it's interesting because uh, on the packaging yeah. of the actual products that are in the store, some of them say Tomoe River and some of them do not. Yes. Yeah, I remember I asked the sales staff at Itoya about that because I had two packs of Bible size refills. They had exactly the same product code. One of them said Tomo River and one of them didn't. I asked, is there any difference between them? And, and they said, no, they, they're both the same. So I wonder if I wonder if they just very recently started advertising the fact that they are using Tomo River because they realized that suddenly everyone wants Tomo River. 
I'm not sure because、um, I remember about a year ago when I went with you to、uh, Itoya. Yeah. And I said, hey, Da Vinci, this paper is Tomoe River. Yeah. Whereas recently, it's been much harder to tell because even though the product code was the、mm. same, it didn't say Tomoe River on it anymore. So. Yeah, that's also possible, but I bought. <laughs> For, for 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 science, I bought one pack of each, and I did some tests, and they perform exactly the same. Yeah. All right.、Um, let's very quickly、uh, go on to the second part of follow up、uh, that we had、um, last time.、Um, a lot of a lot of、uh, comments actually to me about how we analyzed the. Copycat issue、um, mm. was actually surprisingly quite positive. A lot of people、um, sent messages to me saying that they were really happy that somebody came out and, and said this because for a lot of people、um, they kind of felt like ashamed.、Um, they, they didn't feel like、uh, like it was something that they could like talk about for. Secretly liking these pens,、mm. and I, I don't think that anybody should, you know, feel ashamed about what they, what they have or or what they're able to afford.、Mm. Um, so I, I do think that that's、uh, that was there was a lot of positive、um, feedback from that end, but there was also some negative feedback、uh, from particularly a single source, a, a single、um, channel, and I, I think that. What's really interesting is that when it comes, and again, this comes back to the double standard issue, right?、Um, I I got questions like, or I got comments like,、uh, I think you only mentioned,、uh, I think you mentioned only people who are trying out the size and upgrading later, and people who could never afford this、uh, genuine bought these Moonmen. Mm. Uh, super interesting stuff. Would love to know more, as it seems relevant. And I don't actually think that we need to say any more about this, right? Like we we don't necessarily have to pull out the the sales figures because、um, th- they said, "Can you post where you learned about Moonmen not hurting sales of smaller brands?" I, I don't think that is a something that we need to. Necessarily、mm. do on an opinion、um, piece of the podcast, and I also got this comment saying,、uh, "I do have a question about your statement calling the Sailor Rialo piston mechanism a copycat. Only you didn't say、uh, what parts were copycats. So when I linked、um, my blog post,、uh, I got these." I'm confused. In your article, you say many times that the Rialo is a direct copycat, but here you're saying that it's just your opinion. If the article is just an expression of your opinion, then why do you state it as fact? And another person writes: When I read the term copycat, I expect swappable parts. I'm not sure what it may mean to you. So,、mm. um, what's interesting I find is that、uh, you you actually see. That a lot of these Chinese、uh, pens、mm. that look like,、uh, let's say, Japanese pens or wh- whatever. So, that's, for example, the Wing Sung that looks like the eight two three. Those parts don't actually swap on.、Uh, right. I, I've tried it, and I very, very much doubt that the Moonmen C three 
uh, will swap on to an actual um, Franklin Kristoff. So uh, my point here is that, again, it feels like we're very happy to make these bad faith arguments when it comes to Chinese manufacturers. Mm. Uh, whereas for our beloved Japanese manufacturers, it's kind of, oh, well, if it's not exactly the same parts made on exactly the same machine, then it's not a copycat. So, um, you know, I, I do want to point out that I think uh, these bad faith arguments, these bad faith uh, discussions, I'm not, I'm just not going to to engage with this. Mm. There's one more point. Like when you buy like a Moonman pen or a Wingsung pen or a uh, D-like pen, all the like the labels and the instructions, they're all in Chinese. And the only way you can buy them is through these third-party sellers on on eBay or Etsy or in some cases Amazon, but they're still third-party sellers. So it's not clear to me that they are intentionally and in any official way targeting markets outside China. Except right? PenBBS. Yeah, PenBBS, it's a good point. And because that's an exception here, they have their own own Etsy store, right? They actually even have their own eBay store. But for the others, as far as I know, I've only ever bought from these third-party sellers that they, that themselves buy from Taobao or whatever, and then they sell to to customers who don't have the easy access to Taobao. Right, and, and um, I'm not sure if people realize, but you can't really easily access the global markets from inside China. Hmm. Like you've lived in China before, right? Yeah, I spent three months in China, yeah. Right, like you can't buy stuff from outside. You know, you, you can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to order, a, I don't know, whatever pen mm. uh, into China. Like it, it's, it's, it's quite complicated to do mm. that. So, you know, I think there's a lot of like missing context that, that, goes, uh, that goes around and, you know, it's, yeah, it's not something that I think we need to necessarily um, hate on uh, mm. with the kind of vitriol that, that we see. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Chinese pens, you received a new pen uh, in your inbox the other day. Yeah, so I got this uh, little chubby, little adorable Moonman uh, Q1 uh, one week ago. I think we talked about that in in the previous episode. So this is an, a pen that clearly is inspired by Tombow's now discontinued 8 to 8 FP or like Zoom Egg fountain pen. It's not exactly the same. Uh, the cap band is different, for example. The nib is obviously different. Um, but it's the overall shape is is similar, so uh, yeah, I got it last last weekend, and there are a few things I discovered that wasn't clear to me um, before. One is that the nib size is actually number six. I think we said that it looks like number five, right? It was um, an optical illusion. 
Yeah, uh, optical illusion. Yes, it turns out it's actually a number six uh, Moonman screwy nib unit. So the very first thing I did was to like remove the nib and stick an old Sailor Zoom nib on it, and it worked just fine. And as we said before, Moonman's feeds are very juicy, and the fact that it's an eyedropper just makes it even even juicier. So this is a, a very fun pen to write with, and it's and it's quite a yeah. bit of clearance in the cap, so you can probably put a Jova nib on it as well if if that's that's your thing. And I have to say here that uh, because the, um, the 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 housing is yeah. actually a um, cartridge converter housing, so I think a converter can actually fit onto the pen, but the body is too small. So I'm wondering if one of those small Caveco, uh, <laughs> small That's Caveco. Uh, converters can fit on it ironically but, right but you also have the international standard short conver- cartridges right they, they might fit right but but that's not a converter sorry, sorry cartridges. Yeah, yeah this pen is begging to be an to be eyedropper right you, yeah. I mean, you you can't put a cartridge or conversion this it's it's i mean it's offensive i don't know if you can get this uh this section through an uh, the opening of a bottle yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, it, oh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it, there are only certain bottles that that are <laughs> large enough. Yeah, large enough for this. Yeah, but anyway, it's it's a very adorable little pen. But the other thing I discovered to my delight is the fact that it actually posts quite well. I actually just now saw a video review by by one of the YouTubers that often reviews Chinese pens, Chris Rap, and he said that the cap fell off when he was when he wrote with it but that is has not been my experience i think it caps sort of posts fairly securely and that makes mm-hmm. it a lot more usable to me yeah. um, the third thing i discovered which i don't quite like as much is the fact that there is definitely a bit of a step down and whether or not that bothers you depends on how you hold the pen the way i hold it i definitely notice the step down it's not a deal breaker but i wish it wasn't there I think given the the shape of the pen though that's a that's a difficult ask. Yeah. Um, I, I will agree with you that there's a step down but it's not it's not terrible like there right. are some pens which and I'm thinking particularly of those um pens that are flush from the outside uh when you have it capped. Yeah. It's a lot of uh US makers um and also even Franklin Christoph uh, also, um, I'm thinking what, platinum. Platinum right. has a very noticeable step down. Like yeah. the, if you're not bothered by that, you're not going to be bothered by this because um, this has even a smaller step down than those other pens. That's true. By the way, I saw either today or was yesterday a a blog post by our favorite Japanese blogger uh, Morisan. Uh, so he talked about this pen. First of all, he never mentioned it by name. He just he claims that this is a clone of not the Tombow but Platinum's Glamour pen. So s- throughout the blog post, he calls it a Grama Modoki, um, which is so interesting because it wasn't just the Tombow and Platinum uh, doing this style of pen. There were a lot of these kind of pens back yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah, there, there were a few, yes. I think most of them were, I think, Inkidome, but yeah. yeah. But the, but 
the reason why I'm mentioning his article, so his, his blog post, is that he also mentioned at the end that he's been planning for a while to make a short chubby pen. And the fact that Moonman now came out with this one has inspired him to to think about this again. So he wants to make a, a small chubby pen made of from uh, marbled ebonite. Uh, for some reason he wants to put a number five nib on it. Uh, I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe it has to do with gold prices, I'm not sure. But so we might see a, 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 a Wagner pen in, in a similar shape down the line. And maybe he's going to collaborate with Moonman. Oh, that, that, that would be hilarious, yeah. I think it's more likely that this would be another fine writing international collaboration, yeah. but can't, can't know for sure. Well, let's see, let's see. Um, and you also got two of the extra smooth nibs. Yeah, so when we did our episode with uh, Leo about Pilot a while back, we mentioned, I think you mentioned the fact that Pilot at one point sold these oblique nibs called ES or Extra Smooth. And since then I managed to find not one but two of these. So I started reading up a little bit about them. So apparently uh, these were available in both broad and fine medium and both left foot oblique and right foot oblique and both 20 degrees and 30 degrees for some reason. So there were quite a few versions of this and I thought that these were only sold at Itoya in 2017 because that's the only time I, I was aware that they were sold. But but then uh, Leo asked me when I did an Instagram post, uh, have, like, have you checked the, the date stamp on the nib? Uh, because as far as he knew, these were, av- the, these were available before the Itoya event. So I removed the nib and I checked the date stamp and he's right. So one of them is from 2006. The other one is from 2001. So it's a bit of a mystery. I'm not sure when these were sold and if they were ever part of the standard lineup or always some kind of like special order or like event exclusives. But clearly they've been sold for a while. But it's just very hard to find good information online. So I think we're going to have to ask uh, Mr. Pilot uh, next time. Yeah, I also think it's interesting that they came up like ESB because they've sold pens marked OB before. So they've they've sold pens marked oblique in the past. Yeah, you're right. Like, like the, the Custom 67, for example. But what is interesting about these pens, I think, is... like When I think about an oblique, I think like a slanted stub almost, right? So so there's, there's like a slanted line, but otherwise it's fairly sharp. That's, that's my idea of an oblique. But if you look at these ones... They are curved at the corners. So that's probably what, what, what ES Extra Smooth is coming from, right? These are very very round um, at mm. the edges. And obviously you don't get a lot of line variation from these nibs, but they are very smooth to write with. Yeah, so uh, that's a question for Mr. Pilot the next time we see the old man, whenever that might be. Yeah, the problem is that, yes, that by then I, I won't have these pens because you know how it is. I, I get excited about the pen, I buy them, and I get bored and I sell them. So yeah, both are already sold. You can you can just uh, show him a picture. I'm sure he knows. Yeah, I can do that. Can do that. Yeah. Um, I myself have gotten a few 
hens, uh, some that came in uh, previously, some that came in afterwards. Mm. But uh, I, I've been buying from Nagasawa, uh, and one of uh, one of my good friends is kind of into micarta pens. Mm. And you got the G10 from uh, from Mr. Cypress, right? And they Cypress, also do micarta, yeah. uh, but I, I feel like. Nobody really does micarta pens like Sailor did the micarta pens, and um, I have some pretty interesting ones because all of the micarta pens they look kind of different from each other, even within the same production line, right? Mm. And micarta is also a material that I believe darkens as you use it. And I managed to find two micarta pens. Uh, the first one is. Um, I believe uh, some kind of an exclusive, uh, maybe it's like Isetan exclusive, and this micarta is a king, uh, not king. Uh, sorry, it's a pro gear um, style, but it's actually a bit larger than the pro gear. I'm not sure if you've seen these micarta pens, but the finial, the top finial, is actually a bit longer than the pro gear, whereas the bottom uh, butt of the pen. Is the same as a regular pro gear. I remember seeing one recent Mikata pen that was sold by Nagasawa and some kind of like I think they call it the lawyer pen. And I I think we talked about it at the time and we thought it was a Nagasawa exclusive. Is this the same shape or different shape? No. Um. So I got that other Nagasawa as well, and that is a Nagasawa exclusive. It's been made only in three different um pen models. Mm. up till now and what i find just hilarious about this nagasawa pen is that it's i believe um it was uh it was marketed as the 138th anniversary yeah that's, that's a clearly very major one too <laughs> right right and and what what else is weird about it is that it's actually the 139th anniversary this year so so they came out with the 138th anniversary in the 139th year weird but I bought it. Um, I don't think I'm going to use it. I think this is a pen that I'm going to sell uh, down the line. But I have to say, it's quite nice. It's divided into uh, three very distinct parts. It's uh, It's got, of course, the marcarda. Um, and then it's got the section, which is, uh, which is metal. And mm. that's where the four lawyer comes from. And right. I believe that actually... Um, Nagasawa might have been the ones to develop with Sailor these metal sections because mm. I think one of the first pens that had this metal section was the 1911-4 Lawyer. And so, do you know, by the way, why it's called Lawyer? Yes. So, uh, the idea is that lawyers have to do a lot of writing, but. Um, and, 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 you know, that makes sense. 20 years ago, a lot of these pens were marketed to lawyers and, you know, doctors or whatever, politicians. Um, But what you find is that the pen itself, because the plastic is quite light, um, Mm. the balance of the pen uh, did not lean itself to uh, a long writing experience. Ah, I see. So they developed this metal section and they say that it changes the balance of the pen when you're holding it to be closer to the paper so that you can keep writing for a 
longer and more continuous time. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that like, when they talk about this pen, they, they say that it's like low center of gravity, right? right? That, 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 right. That's the main feature. That's exactly what it is. And we know that, um, and, you know, really hats off to Nook. So they've even gotten a uh, 1911 four lawyer Realo as well. So this four lawyer pen is actually quite historical, I, I, I guess. Mm. It's, a, it's, it's definitely um, a pen that has been around for a while. And what's interesting, and I was talking about the colors, the Nagasawa pen is made from black micarta, and then the end is black resin. And I have to say, it looks pretty handsome. Looks pretty it's handsome. quite expensive, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a, more than $1,000. Yeah. So, um, but you know what? For micarta pens from Sailor, that's, that's about how much they go for on the secondary market. Even the normal ones. Really? Is that it? Yeah. Well, I remember one of our friends got one very cheap from uh, Wagner. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you can find <laughs> deals for sure, but yeah. the the MSRP, I mean, I got one from Mudders and MSRP was $700. Right, right, right. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, what I heard is that their Micarta stock is uh, running low, but, you know, who knows. Mm. I also got the Nagasawa Rosa Mini and... Even though I'm not the biggest fan of the new mini shape, what I noticed with the Rosa Mini is that because the the butt of the the pen is trans transparent, the um the converter actually shows mm. at the end, and that's really cute. They have done that before. I think like the Asian Way had was the same way, right? Yeah, and, and so was the uh, Graphite Lighthouse. But I think because they're mm. longer, you can't really right. see too much of the converter. But I haven't seen this pen. So is this a, a Slim Mini or Fat Mini? This is a Slim Mini, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, if they did a Fat Mini, that would have been awesome. And uh, last thing I got was uh, Izumi's Melon Soda, which is, mm. which is kind of confusing because there was a Sailor Melon Soda that was released by Ikebukuro Seibu, which is, you know, oddly very, very specific. Um, right. And it was the same name, but that one was a uh, Pro Gear Slim with the words Melon Soda Ikebukuro Seibu imprinted mm. uh, into the body. And I yeah, remember I remember seeing, seeing that, one. that one, and I just wished that they hadn't printed Melon Soda. On the exactly. Because the, the font was so ugly. But mm. this new one... It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Uh, he just sent it um, this morning, so I should be able to receive it, uh, t I think, tomorrow. Um, but it it's, it's, looks really nice on the photos. So, so But so this Izumi guy is still a bit of a mystery to me. Is he based in Japan or in China? Or is he selling to both, in, both markets? So he lives in Japan, and okay. I think I might have seen him uh, at Ancora because... I noticed this this one guy uh, who is at Ankara, and kind of my my Chinese person radar kind of just went bing. And I was like, <laughs> ah, I I feel my my brethren, and the, the, so the he, force is strong in yeah. But but he was looking at me, and I was looking at him. And I was hmm, and <laughs> and then the next day 
Ancora items started showing up on his Instagram feed. Right, right, right. So I think I might have seen him before. I, I don't know if he recognizes me. But um, but no, he, he, he lives in Japan and he runs the uh, Izumi Taobao store. So I think his main market, like he, he's actually a retailer in China, mm. but he lives in, uh, in Japan. This, by the way, is a little bit confusing because I'm not sure if you've seen there's another new store called Izumi, which I think is based in Europe somewhere. Have you seen that? I have seen that. And no, it's, it's confusing. It's really confusing. Yeah. So, but yeah, this this Izumi guy, he seems to be able to find the most uh, exotic pants. I don't think he does a very good uh, job like advertising them because he's posting them on his feed, but there's very little information about you know what he's selling and how to go about buying them. Well, he says on his uh, his description, if you're interested in some pens, you can contact me. But some may be sold. It's not yeah, exactly but, but... clear that all of them are for sale. Right, right, right. But but if you go to an individual post, there's usually very little information there. You have to go to his profile, right? No, but he's. I've noticed that he's been adding a lot more English information. Okay, because... maybe it's getting better now. But I remember at first that it was. Yeah, it, it was, was just like a picture. Hard to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Right. Um. It's like so. I, I read this. Um. It just says like Trisel pen or like Pelican M one thousand Makia pen. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, but you know he's he's pretty nice. I, I usually talk to him in Chinese, uh, mm. but I wish that this melon soda would come out in Rialo so I can actually buy it for me. For, you mean for, for yourself? Yeah, for myself. <laughs> all right. So um, all right, we've we've got a lot of uh, other topics and we've got not a lot of time. So let's uh, blast through these. Uh, yeah. Fontaplumo has come out with a new website called I Need a Pen. And it was advertised on uh, Fontaplumo's website. Uh, I'm sorry, not website. Um, Fontaplumo's Instagram saying, I need a pen. Today's a launch of I Need a Pen, an online resource focused on pens and related items which are neither which are either sold out or not available mm. in our part of the world. So yeah. I, I was really curious about this. And uh, I went to um, their store. Yeah. And they have a separate... Uh, they one have a separate storefront and they mm. have a separate Instagram account. And I was just curious, so I looked at this Sailor Mini um, Kingfisher, which uh, which was a uh, Kingdom Note limited mm. edition, sold out really quickly. And they're selling it for four hundred ninety five euros. So that's about a two hundred fifty dollar markup from the original. And so how does that compare to like scalpers like JP Select and Pensachi? Well, JP Select has an average markup of a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars. Mm. So I mean, it's even more expensive than JP Select. Uh, I don't but, see a lot mm. of other pens available right now. But, right. I mean, it's quite surprising because they're selling this Pro Gear Rialo Emerald for five hundred and fifty. Five euros. That's almost like seven hundred, seven hundred fifty dollars. Mm. And even this, you know, the Rayquaza two, they're selling it for three hundred forty-five euros. That's almost five hundred dollars. That's almost double of what you can buy for it here. But so what I'm wondering though is, if Fontaplume is an authorized sailor retailer, I'm not sure if they are, but assuming they are, isn't there anything preventing them from like doing like gray imports and stuff? 
And perhaps that is why there is a separate entity. Mm. But I'm not sure if Fontaplumo is a sailor retailer. Let me check. Yeah, I mean, they, they sell sailor pens on their website. They sell sailor pens on the website. So super weird. And not only did they uh, did they create this separate entity, um, they also have started taking out ads from the separate entity. So if you go to <laughs> um, penaddict.com, you'll see that they've actually taken an ad out on penaddict.com through this I need a pen entity, which mm. is just so funny to me. They could have just done it through Fontaplumo um, if they were selling, you know, secondhand, because you remarked to me that lots of retailers sell secondhand products. Mm. So I wonder why they did this. Yeah, and I wonder if this is a sign of things to come, right? If if other retailers see this and they want a, they want a part of this as well, and you you see like yeah, other yeah. major retailers doing the same thing. I wonder how Sailor, for example, is going to react, and this has got to result in any changes on their end. But I think this goes back uh, to the idea that Sailor, because they don't speak English, so they probably they're probably happier not knowing and they probably don't know. <laughs> yeah, but surely, I, I don't know who is distributing sailor pens in Europe, but whichever company that is, surely they they would see what's going on here. Yeah, but that's also not products that you can actually buy in Europe, right? Like it's not, it's not part of the European lineup. Right, but here's the thing, right? We, we talked to a retailer not long ago and asked... Uh, uh, like, what can you sell overseas and what can you not sell overseas? And the answer right. was, we can sell overseas what has our branding on it, our special edition. We cannot sell overseas anything that has like sailors branding on it, like anything that you could part of their lineup. Right, right, right. And if and if you look at what Fonte Plumo is selling, I think that includes that like Reva Mini Two, for example, which I would consider like a not a retailer exclusive. Yeah, that's a region exclusive. Mm. Yeah, so we'll see uh, what happens there. But Sailor mm. themselves have come out with two new KOPs. The first one is uh, the KOP uh, in Ebony. I think this was discontinued for, for a while, but they're saying that now it's going to be reintroduced, um, KOP Ebony Naginata, which I think is interesting because that means now you can buy uh, now you can buy KOP Naginatas that's from their standard lineup. So I, I I don't have the photo in front of me, but I remember that the um, the Kaiha Ebonite pen had a slightly different shape. It was a little bit of flat at the top, if I remember correctly, different from the standard yeah. sail Ebonite they, pen, right? They are, they are flat tops, yes. What about this one? Is this the, the regular black it's Ebonite shape top. or something new? Yeah, it's a it's a regular black Ebonite. With the Naginata Toginib, okay, yeah. Right. So, yeah, so this is slightly cheaper than the, the Kaiha and the Kaiha, the red Kaiha follow-up with, with, I forgot the name of it. Uh, the Koen. Um, yeah, yeah. Koen and Kaiha were about $2,000. Yeah. And this one's about $1,600. Yeah. Which is still insane to me. Yeah, it's a lot more, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more expensive than... 
uh, was before. Yeah, I, I I don't actually know what what a regular black uh, ebonite like would have said me be today, but I remember I remember see, seeing them on uh, on, on rack ten yes like two eight. or three years ago for like fifty thousand yeah. yen. So yeah, it's about Ta- times have changed. Times have changed. Times have changed. Um, but they've also come out with this wabi sabi king of pen. Yes. And I was notified um, by a listener about this wabi sabi king of pen. First of all, mm. um, what? How do you? What do you think of the the appearance of the pen? So when I think of wabi sabi, I think of something like a, an old Nambuteki teapot that has been used for for many years, but still has right. some like beauty to it. Um, these look a bit too. To dramatic, it looks like some uh, prop from a science fiction movie, some alien artifact that has been uh, recovered from a mission. Yeah, and I think it, it's actually kind of ugly. It, it looks like there's like slime kind of yeah. just running down <laughs> exactly. the pen. And, you know, the point of Wabi Sabi is that it's been used, it's been yeah. broken, and then it's been repaired. Or it's somehow imperfect in some way, yeah. And you appreciate that for its imperfection because exactly. you also appreciate the history of that. Exactly, exactly. So I don't believe and this is my personal belief, right? I don't think that you can actually make something wabi sabi. That I mean, you can intentionally break the pen and then you know fix it back together. That would be wabi sabi, but you can't like you can't make a design wabi sabi. Like just because you called it wabi sabi, right? So yeah, I agree that there's something strange about this, and it makes me wonder if it's actually made by sailors in Japan because I haven't seen anything from sailors like from sailors themselves. Maybe it is a nibs.com exclusive. I'm not sure. Yeah, we we saw this uh, posted by nibs.com on mm. uh, Fountain Pen Network, and they say that's part of sailors' exclusive bespoke collection. To just 88 numbered pieces worldwide. And um, it's. Nibs.com said this is called Irogosane Sabinuri. Have you ever heard of this technique? No, no, it doesn't ring a bell. And it, 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 it sounds really curious to me because when I looked it up on, Jap- uh, on Google in Japanese, I got um, Iro. Gasane, so like iro kasaneru, so mm. layering colors, and then sabinuri. And so I asked Hiroko this morning. Mm. I said, So I- I've seen this pen, uh, and I see that they're calling it this technique. You know, have you ever heard of it? Mm. And she said, Yeah, it's there's actually a lot of different techniques in the Tsugaru uh, family yeah. of, of, uh, of, um, Urushi and this is a very well one of them and she she then said but I won't ever make something like this <laughs> which doesn't mean she she won't do it though I mean she, she has said that a few <laughs> times and then changed her mind but who knows yeah um, so I'm reading the comments the first comment is dear god it looks like a burn victim <laughs> <Sort of. laughs> and these go for Two thousand five hundred dollars mm. for me. You know, this is a this only comes in the regular B and 
uh, an MNIB, uh, I think for for this price, that that's that's more expensive than the Kaiha mm. with a Naginata Togi by by twenty five percent, and you know I, I think that's just too much. I I wish I could see it in Persian. Maybe it looks better in Persian, but yeah, I, I I'm not a fan. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, and did they need to do this? Yeah, they have done so many. Like, like, maybe it was a few months ago now, but but for a while they they suddenly came out with one like, one ex- limited edition uh, KOP after another. Yeah, it's 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 not necessary to do this. No, it's just inject inventory onto their retailers. But it also makes you wonder if this is something maybe the retailer specifically asked for, some kind of collaboration. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, we'll see how well it sells. Mm. All right. Um, and, you know, just to close off, uh, you know, we usually talk about this stuff in the beginning, but the state of emergency uh, did we mention that it got extended yet again? To I the think so. 20th? Yeah. So, so right now it's it's supposed to end at the the twentieth this month. Yeah, which means that the Shitatat Meru uh, mm. exhibition, which was supposed to feature the the smaller makers like um, like Eboya, um, mm. Stella Art, and also Nagahara, it, that's been postponed. Yeah. I would say it's at least possible that they and they will uh, extend the state of emergency again because even though the infection numbers are going down, they're not going down very fast. And I mean, uh, I was out for lunch today, and it's insane how many people are on the streets. It, it's absolutely insane. Um, but the good news is that in my city here, uh, in Sumida, I've actually gotten a date for when I can get vaccinations. Oh, really? Yeah, so I can make my reservation in late July. That's very interesting because I, we haven't heard heard anything here. Yeah, you live in the boonies, though. <laughs> that's true, that's true. That's one of the disadvantages. Yeah, yeah you, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Yeah, um, but, you know, at least some vaccinations are are moving on, Um and yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Hopefully, I can get vaccinated soon. But I saw just today on NHK that there's been a total number of like 15 million vaccine shots in Japan so far today. So far, and so so not 50 million people, but 50 million vaccine shots. So it, it, it's still a long way to go. Yep. Long, long way to go. But, you know, they found somehow some vaccines to send to Taiwan, 140 million shots to Taiwan, which I think is hilarious because that's the AstraZeneca that they didn't want to approve for use in Japan. Well, actually, they did approve AstraZeneca, but... Oh, but because of the blood clots, they, um, they didn't want to use it, right? Yeah, it's approved, but it's not part of the vaccine program right now. It's only yeah. Moderna and Pfizer. So um, you, you know we're gonna get another one star review now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be getting the Pfizer one. Um, it's already been decided by oh, really? by the city. Yeah. So 
let's see. Hopefully I'll get vaccinated very, very soon. I hope I don't have to wait until like August or something. Uh, but once I'm fully vaccinated, I am leaving this country to go renew my passport. Oh, I see. Anyways, I think that's all for today. It's been a long episode. Thank you, everybody, for bearing with us. Uh, we really, really appreciate everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, uh, you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob, and I'm a fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at foodafan.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.